to listen, would you go, quick to listen, slow to speak, and leave them open while you say slow to speak. Can we do that? Okay, as we said, quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, you say, why do we do that? Well, maybe you don't recognize this, but what happens in our lives is when we face when we face conflict, when we get into that, 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 that situation where you're in a conversation where there's conflict and you, you, you start to argue and, and it's a difficult conversation with something, actually what you do, you may, well, you may not have noticed it, but you do this. You know, Mans and I, we, we teach this thing and, 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 and some marriage stuff we do. We, we tend to, we do this, our first response is a physical response. We tend to, to move away. And, um, and really what it is, when we do that, what, what we're actually doing is we're beginning to close up. We're beginning to close up our ears, our ability to hear. We begin to close off our heart, close off our mind, and we begin to shut down and shut off from that person in that moment when we do that. And then, so this is why, in a very corny way, we're saying, would you remember, say, quick to listen, slow to speak, because we want to help ourselves and help each other be quick to listen. And... Uh, Here's the thing, the reason in conflict, and especially verbal conflict or in arguments when listening um, to somebody, and as, as that thing starts to build and starts to get more out of control, we want the other person to do exactly what, what they probably want us to do for them, okay? We want exactly what the person we're having the conflict, conflict with wants. Both parties want the same thing. Both parties want to be heard. And, and I want to be heard more than anything, and you want to be heard more than anything. And so often, we're so busy trying to be heard that we don't hear, and we don't begin to understand. And, and when we communicate, don't you want the other person just, you want to know that they've understood, that they've heard you. And this is really what we're speaking about. And so when we say be quick to listen, and really, this is what we, what we are encouraging. Now, when you know that you've been heard or understood, really, something shifts in the way we then communicate, and it helps us begin to open our own hearts. And it's like we're saying, look, we don't have to even agree on everything. Have you noticed that in conversations? You don't even have to necessarily agree with the other person and we have this thing of agree to disagree, but we do need to know that we've been heard and that we need to, be, that we need to understand. We don't have to agree about our parenting style. We don't have to agree about the partner choice that the other person might be making. Maybe it's your child or maybe it's a friend. We don't have to agree necessarily with what subjects need to be chosen, but what we do need is we need to know that we've been heard. We do need to know that somebody has listened to us. Now, we may never agree, but if you're going to interrupt, if you're going to have something to say, if you're going to speak back into a situation, into when, when I'm having an argument, what do I want most from you? I just want you to acknowledge that you've heard me. And this morning, as, as, we, as we continue, as we continue through this series, would you begin to have the courage to say, God, would you help me with this and the control and the use of my mouth, of my tongue? You see, I can't really hear you till I feel like you've heard me, and I can't really, and you can't really hear me until you feel like I've heard you to some extent. Remember, this is not about someone else and their big mouth. It's about me and my big mouth. It's about you and your big mouth. And the key takeaway for today is quick to listen, slow to speak. 
And, I, and I'm going to repeat it and repeat it because how many of us know that we tend to speak first and then we think about it later? You know, we have the saying about putting your foot in it. You know, it's all these kind of things that because this is the way we, we live. And, and I must be honest, it's something that I've had to work really hard on in my life because I used to pride myself on how quick I could respond. Because I come out of a background of being very witty and very sarcastic and I've had to learn to just ratchet it back and breathe first. And I don't always get that right. Now, if we were to stop right there and you were to go home, this would be helpful information, but, but, we, but we're not quite finished just yet. This is a really big idea, because what can you not accomplish if both, pe- both people decide in a relationship, in a conversation, if both people decide this, that I'm not going to be quick to speak, but I'm going to be quick to listen, and I'm going to be slow to speak. Can you imagine how that would change our conversations and the way we work things out and the way we deal with conflict? Now, if you grew up in church, you'll know that this is not my idea. It's not kind of a new idea. This idea we stole from a guy by the name of James. He's a really famous guy, and the reason he's so famous is because he had a big brother, and his big brother's name was Jesus. So James, the brother of Jesus, tells us, tells us these are his words that we're speaking about, and, and what happens is, is James dies this unfortunate death, and, 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 and um, he, he, he gives his life. He's stoned to death by a Pharisee by the name of Ananias because James would not stop talking about Jesus as the Son of God. And this is Jesus' brother. And so James had this clear revelation, this understanding that when he saw his brother die and he saw his brother rise from the dead and come and speak to him and engage with him, that Jesus is God. And so he, he believed it to the extent that he gives his life for, James, uh, for Jesus. And later he becomes the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And, and so here's this guy that you don't hear much about when Jesus was around, but you hear much about afterwards. And he writes a letter. He writes a letter. Um, and in this letter, James gives us this advice. And he speaks about the way we should speak or the way we should engage with one another. <clears throat> the way we should listen the way we should respond. So here's what he says. He says, everybody, everyone should be quick to listen, which to be honest really doesn't make sense, does it? Because how do you listen quickly? Quick to listen is two words that don't really go together. How do you listen quickly? But but what he means is is, is that you would, in a sense, speed up your, your hearing. In other words, you would prioritize the need to hear. Yet you had to prioritize the need to listen before you speak. And, um, and, and he, he's using these two words together because he's really just trying to make a point because he's a good communicator. You see, your first priority, your number one thing in, is that, that the most important thing relationally that you can do is to listen. I've said so many times, man, I've said so many times with, 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 with a couple where one of them has been speaking and speaking and speaking for years and eventually they just get over it and they say, okay, the relationship's done. And the other person says, no, hang on now, I want to talk. And they say, no, but I've been, you haven't been listening for the last 15 years. Now you want to talk. It's done. I don't have any more to give. And many times we sat in that place. And so let us be quick to listen. Listen quickly. Make it first. Quickly before anything else, before anything comes out of your mouth. So essentially James is saying this is just, just, more, this is just more of that thing that Jesus taught us. What did Jesus say? He said, you're to do for others as your Father through Christ has done for you. In other words, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Haven't you heard that before? The golden rule? It's Jesus' words. And this is what James is saying. He's going back to that because that was Jesus' brother. He learned this stuff from Jesus. 
And he says, you want others to listen to you? You want to, you want to be understood? Well, then be quick to listen. Give that first. Offer that first. And then here's another statement that goes with it that we've just said. He says, not only be quick to listen, but be slow to speak. And that, that, literally that idea means to be late. What that word means, it means to be late. When it comes to your words, be late. Wait and be late. And, and, and I'd add another word to that, be curious. Be curious. And I've learned something about being curious from my wife, and I'll talk about that in a minute. You see, ask a question when a person that you're having conflict with is going on and on and on and on, and they just continue, and you, all you want to do is save your say. Have you been in that place where eventually you're not listening to them? You're just thinking about what you wanted to say. You know what the best thing you can do according to James's advice is he says, ask a question. And then when you really just had enough and you, and you want to, now you really want to speak, ask three questions. And you think, Mark, you're crazy because you ask a question, they're just going to carry on some more. Exactly. That's the point. Mans and I used to visit an aunt of hers, and um, this lady's the sweetest, most loving lady, but man, she can talk. And, and I was like 18 when I first met her, or semi, I don't know, but you know, I wasn't quite as mature relationally, I don't think, as my wife was. Mandy's very gracious with people. And we would go and visit, and it was cool for the first about five minutes. But after about an hour, this, the talking was going on. I was just thinking, like, please, you know, just breathe, you know. I want to go and play with a cat. I don't even like cats. Sorry for the cat lovers, you know. It's like, and then just when it would get to that point where I think a cat's going to come to you and manage to ask another question, a leading question, and it would all start all over again. But you see, man's knew something. She understood something about what it means to make sure that that person knows that you've been heard. It wasn't just patience. It wasn't just because she had compassion. This, and she loves us to this day. She loves us because she loves man's, um, not because of anything I've done, but because Mandy has had the grace. But I learned something from that, that if you just ask the question and you take the time to listen, you begin to learn. (laughs) And you begin to understand something of where that person is coming from. Now, if you're a parent, how much would you be willing to pay for your kids to get this? Can you imagine it? Like when you're talking to them, if they actually listen. Oh, yeah, your kids all listen to you first time. But if your kids didn't listen to you first time and every time, okay, wouldn't it be amazing? And here's some good advice for a teenager. I I love this. There are not too many. I think the next service, hopefully there'll be lots of teenagers in here. I'm telling you, if you really want to freak your parents out, and maybe some of you could still do this to your parents because you've, you've never done it before, but when, they, when they're telling you something and they're giving you that good advice or that wisdom that they've, they've gained over the years and you kind of want to zone out, but you know what the best thing you can do is just totally freak them out? They say, just, hang on, Dad, just wait a moment there. Can you just repeat that another way because I didn't fully understand that? Could, could you just tell me some more because I... I want to tell you, you'll have to pick your parents up off the floor, I reckon. Wow, because nobody does that. I think if some of us husbands did that for our wives, they would get very suspicious. Um, Why? Because we argue and we argue and we argue. But if we can learn, if you can learn to hit pause and to be curious, what do I mean by being curious? Ask a question. Ask another question. Ask three questions. It will help you learn to listen. It'll help you learn to listen, and it'll be a great blessing in your relationship because it'll slow down your speaking, your first response. Now, I know this is something that I've struggled with and I struggle with, okay? 
And my worst parenting moments and my worst husband moments or moments as a husband have been because I've spoken too quick. I've spoken before I've thought and it's done damage and it's caused hurt. And, and we do this, don't we? And we do it especially with people that are younger than us. We do it especially with people that, that, that maybe we, we feel like we've got the liberty and that's often our children or often people that work for us. And he says, as parents, you need to know this. Husbands, you need to know this. Wives, you need to know this. You can write the person you love right out of the door. You can write the person you love most right out of the relationship. You can write your all-star, rock star employee right out of your company or your business. You can be right, and 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 you write them right out of the relationship. Isn't that true? Haven't you been in those relationships where that person is constantly trying to correct you, and they always write, and eventually you say, listen, this is actually all about you. Go and enjoy your life on your own, and you want to move on, you know? And this is a good reminder for us because people want to be understood. People don't want to be lectured. And we've got to remind ourselves because those of us who think we know, and we all think we know, and we all think we write, we forget this sometimes. People willing to be open to your ideas if they think for a moment that you've, they've been heard. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? So we know this is important. We've been on both sides of these conversations and these relationships. We've all seen that person's eyes glaze, glaze over because they've, they've lost interest or connection because we're going on and on and on and on about something. So many people will say, I just don't understand. I just don't understand why they don't get it. I don't understand why they would do what they do. I've told them. I don't understand why they don't listen. Have you ever said that? If you're a parent, I'm sure you've said that. Do they, can I not see? It's so obvious. Can I not see? I've told them. So many times I've had people saying, I, I just can't communicate with whoever it might be, my children or my spouse or my, somebody at work. And James would say, you idiot. Sorry, James would say that. <laughs> because you're not quick to listen. You're quick to speak. You want to, if you want to enhance the relationship, we've got to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Don't you love being around people that ask you questions? Don't you love those conversations? Man has a subtle way of saying when we're going to be with people, she'll say, let's find out about them. <laughs> what she's saying is just <laughs> don't speak. <laughs> let's ask some questions first because apparently I can speak a lot. Um, you see, if you do that, if you get these two ideas, then what comes next is easy. Here's what James says. He says, everybody needs to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Slow to become angry. This is hard, isn't it? For all of us at times, we just get, things get said or the conversation goes and that blood just starts to boil. We've all been there. Now, slow to become angry is both a result and a decision. If you're quick to listen and, and slow to speak, you're less likely to become angry. And it's easier to guard against anger if you've decided up front. Do you know that? If you struggle with anger, if you've decided up front, it's a lot easier to guard against it. If you're going to make the decision, I'm going to ask questions, I'm going to be curious before I speak, before I respond. Now, we all, we all um, express anger differently, but we generally do it one of two ways. We either blow up and we shout and we make a lot of noise and we intimidate and we say things that we wish we could put back, but they're gone. You know, they're out there, you can't take it back. Or we internalize and we, we withdraw and we get sulky and we get moody. 
and our spouses and our friends saying, what's wrong? Oh, no, nothing. <laughs> you know that? But everyone knows there's something wrong, but we won't admit it. But it just kind of feels better. Well, it's not better because it's just another way of manipulating and controlling. But it's a response to anger. And we all do it in some way. We all do it in one of those ways. But the point is, James is saying, this is so bad for your relationships. This will be so damaging to your relationships. And one of the ways to bypass blowing up or just becoming a passive aggressive and trying to control through that kind of manipulation he says, you've got to understand where the other person is coming from. Be quick to listen and slow to speak helps us. You see, anger in this context, what he's talking about is really more like this. It's drawing hasty, misinformed, relationally destructive conclusions. That's more what that anger's like. Let me, let me say that again. It's drawing hasty, misinformed, relationally destructive conclusions. We do that so often. So often we've already, the person said two words and we've already decided what the answer and the outcome is. I learned that I was doing that to Mans when she started saying to me, we'd we'd chat at the end of every day and she'd say, I've got stuff I need to talk to you about, I need to tell you, but I just want you to listen. I don't want you to, I don't want a solution. I don't want you to fix. (laughs) Just, Just listen to me. And I began to realize that obviously I don't always just listen, you know. I speak too much. And I'm trying to fix all the time. So here's this formula. It's kind of a formula. He says, the longer you listen, the more you learn, the less angry you'll be. Isn't that true? Let me say it again. The longer you listen, the more you'll learn, the less angry you'll be. Here's why this works. And, 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 and what I'm about to tell you now is just common sense. This is just common sense. But, but we need to hear this again. Everything, I mean, everything that everyone does makes sense to them. Isn't that true? Everything everyone does makes sense to them. If it gets worse, everything that everyone says makes sense to them. Have you ever heard somebody say something you think, are you serious? Like, like did you actually? Th- like, but what we say makes sense to us. And if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, what I'm about to tell you now is really important, and if you're not, it's even more important, because this is what we believe as a church. And I promise you, because we believe this with all of our heart, that, that people, we really trust that no one in this church would feel judged, because everything that everyone believes makes sense to them. And I've sat with people that believe things, and I think, you're an intelligent person, how can you believe that? But it makes sense to them, that's why they believe it. And when we understand that, and we begin to understand people, we begin to respond differently, but we've got to listen first to begin to understand these things. So here's the thing. When you say, or when you think, because most times we think these things more than we say them, I can't understand it. Or maybe you say to yourself, you catch yourself thinking, I don't know why they would do that. I don't know why they would say that. I don't know why they would even believe that. Who's the person that needs to be educated? Is it the person that doesn't believe what you think? Is it the person that you don't understand or is it you? Because who's the person asking the question? If I'm saying, I don't know, I don't know why, am I not the one who needs to be educated? But we generally feel that when I don't know why, that person needs to be educated. I'm the one who's asking the question. I'm the one who doesn't know why. And when we, when, when we decide to do that and not to be critical, 
Man, oh man, something shifts and, and, and we position ourselves in relationships for blessing and for communication like we've never had before. You see, when you get an education on why they're doing what they're doing, not only will it make sense, you might even join them. It's this thing, proximity, that we speak about. And many of us will just say, well, I can't do that. I'll just be ignorant. I'll just spend time with people that think like I think. I'll just be with the people that do what I do. And, and we'll sit there and we'll wonder and we'll say, I just can't believe that. I can't believe why anybody would do that. I can't believe what anybody would say that. I don't know about you, but I've been in times where everybody around me believes and feels and thinks what I do. It's a very dangerous place to be. It feels very safe. But you know what? It's so insulated that we begin to have blinkers on and we can't see and understand and receive people the way God does because we only hear one point of view. Well, guess what? Every one of those people that believe what you don't believe or do what you don't believe or don't understand have a good reason for doing what they do the same way you have a good reason for doing what you do. And everything everybody does makes perfect sense to them. Ask any taxi driver in South Africa. It's true. And you all laughed and it just proves it, okay? You see, if there's something you don't know, that requires questions, not declarations. They don't need little mini-sermons or proclamations. It needs questions. So would you prioritize your listening? Stephen Covey in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, said this. Same thing he said, but in this is his way of saying it. He says, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Isn't that good? How, how do we do that? We've got to listen. We've got to listen. We may... We, we may understand and even agree with it, but what do we do with that? What do we do with it? Andy Stanley says this, we got to decide we're not going to criticize anything we don't understand. We're not going to criticize any idea we don't understand, and we're not going to criticize anybody we don't, who we don't know their story. We've got a little joke in our family. Mans will always say to us when we, when we like moan at a driver, you know, like somebody's driving too slow, or they're doing, she always say to us, you don't know their story. You know, it's very irritating when somebody speaks the truth in the midst of those moments. It's really irritating. But you can't argue because she's right, and then she normally will give some scenarios. I'm like, okay. now I don't care about their story, but actually, she's right. I've got to. And she reminds us, and, and this is what we're saying. When we listen, we begin to understand. We need to know people's story. And once we decide that we become better learners, we be, and then we become better listeners because we begin to understand and we begin to see what we need to see that we don't see outside of that. Because here's the thing, when we're in a conversation, when we're in conflict, when we're just listening to reply rather than to understand, we learn nothing. We've got to listen in order to understand. And when we determine to just reply and not listen, we're not going to learn anything. And if we're not learning anything, it's, not, it's going to be hard to improve that relationship. Isn't that true? I've heard so many times people saying, I've been saying this for years and years and years, and they just don't, they've never heard me, they don't listen. Now, I know I keep on repeating myself. We need to be quick to listen and slow to speak, because we need to let this sink in. Now, James learned all of this from Jesus, but he's not finished yet. This is way bigger than what you think. This is way bigger than what you think. He says there's a divine agenda attached to this. 
And he continues, says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry because, because human anger, that is human anger that results from talking all the time and not listening very much, human anger does not produce, does not produce the righteousness that God desires. This is the bigger agenda that's at stake here. Now maybe when you first read that, you think like, what are you talking about, James? Well, He's, he's saying this, there's three agendas. There's your agenda, there's my agenda, and there's God's agenda. And God's agenda is about producing righteousness, a righteousness that, 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 will, that will honor Him. You see, so long, as, so long as you're trying to be right in your conversation, it'll not produce this. It's about your agenda. It's about your agenda. And that other person is trying to be right and, as well, and that's their agenda. But this morning, can I challenge you that we recognize that God has an agenda as well, and your anger and your frustration are not getting your way and not being able to convince them is not being able to, 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 being able to convince them that, that you're right or, or, or they're right. Neither one of those rightnesses or righteousnesses is what God is after. God says neither of your rights are right, because here's the thing. God doesn't, doesn't take sides. God is not on his side or your side. God comes to take over. He comes to be God. And my rightness is simply this. I know that I'm right, and I want you to know that I'm right, and I want everybody to know that I'm right. And we all find ourselves in those places, don't we? And when we say it, it sounds a little bit weird, but actually when we think about our conversations and our arguments, so often that's the case. And James says that the righteousness that God is after is not about being right. And this is what it draws us into, and it's so big. If we're going to come back to the, and we're going to come back to this in a couple of weeks, but here's the thing. We want to be right at each other, and God wants us to be right with each other. And this is we listen, we begin to be right with one another and not at one another. There's a big difference at being right at somebody and, right be, and being right with someone. And he said, he says, as parents, you can write your kids right out of the door. And James is saying, come on, because he's talking primarily to Christians. He's going, Christians, it's not what, that's not what God wants. God isn't on your side. He's not on your side. He's come to take over. He doesn't want you to be right at each other, but he wants you to be right with each other because God wants us to fulfill this commandment that Jesus gave us. And now he draws us into Jesus' great commandment in this. What did Jesus say? He says, as I've loved you, you are to love one another. And the interesting thing is this, when you read the New Testament, Jesus did not come to be right. If Jesus came to be right, he would, have, he would have sorted that out in 30 minutes. If Jesus came to be right, he wouldn't have been crucified. He didn't come to be right. He came to bring righteousness, right relationship with God and with each other. He wants you to join his goal and his mission, and that is loving one another. And it starts so often with conversations. It starts so often in the places where we begin to speak or whether we begin to listen. So how do we do what James says? How do you do? Now, he's already said, quick to listen and be slow to speak. You see, there's no winner if things aren't right between you and the next person. You haven't won an argument. Don't ever, anyone who thinks that they've won an argument in a marriage or in a relationship is misled. You may have made your point, but you haven't won anything because normally that person walks away 
And normally you're not as together as what you were before. James continues. He says, therefore, therefore get rid of all moral filth. Now this phrase get rid of means to put off, to take off, like taking off a jacket. And he says, you need to take this off. You need to take off your, I want to be right jacket. You need to lay it down, that attitude, that approach. And the reason he sees he calls it moral filth is because this self-rightness, the Bible talks about self-righteousness, but it means the same thing for us to be able to say self-rightness. We insist on being right. We insist that I actually know better, that I am better. This is what, this is what James calls, calls um, filthiness, okay? It's what he calls moral filth. And he says, take that off and lay it down because that'll not build together. That'll not make you right together. That'll separate and it'll divide. Isn't it true that violence between friends generally begins with a conversation? Most fights start with a conversation, not just with a physical act. And words escalate totally out of control because somebody insists on having their say on trying to be right. James says, come on, you're going to follow Jesus. You're going to be reconciled to God and each other. You've got to take off this clothing, this jacket of self-rightness. And he said, and there's something else that you've got to take off as well. And the evil, the evil that is so prevalent, and a better word for this word evil that James is talking about is this word malice, which is a word we don't use much anymore. And malice means this. It's a desire to harm. It's a desire to get even. It's a desire to get back or to pay somebody back. Isn't that so prevalent in our, in our world? We, we have to get back. We have to have the last say. And James says, take that off. Chuck it away. Leave it alone. So the next time you're in the middle of an argument with your husband or your wife or your child or with somebody, would you just stop for a moment and say, hang on, I know where this is going to lead. And would you take off that jacket? Would you take off that clothing? Because even if you win the relationship, you lose. James carries on. He says, let me give you an alternative. He says, not only should you take that thing off, and this is so powerful, he says, and humbly, and humbly accept the word implanted in you. Humbly accept the word implanted in you. Humbly accept who you are, who God says you are. And humility says we are more important. We are more important than we. That's what humility says. Humility says I'd rather, I'd rather be with you than be right. That's what humility says. And so as we quick to listen and slowly speak, as we quick to take off that, that, that garment of self-rightness, it takes humility to do that. It takes humility to not speak what you want to say. He says, I want you to receive the word implanted in you. He's saying to this, this group that Jesus follows, he's saying, he's, he's, he's talking to them about believing who they are and who God's called them to be. And he's saying, before you put yourself first, would you put others first? Because this is what Jesus came to model. This is what he did. Jesus came to give his life for us. And he modeled this heart of, of, of generosity and of servanthood. And James is saying, this, this, this should be what motivates the way we communicate and the way we speak to others. And then he ends with this. 
eternal salvation, but he's also talking about a salvation right now because saving, we need saving in the midst of our conversations, in the midst of, midst of our conflicts, don't we? Because so often it's right in that place, if we would just stop, if we would just breathe, if we would just listen a little bit longer, it would save us and it would save our relationships. Every one of us sitting here have said things we wish we could take back. Every one of us is sitting here with wounds and scars of what's been said to us, and we wish that that wasn't spoken, but it's been spoken because this wasn't applied. And these words shape us. Saying this, saying, saying this doing this, it'll save you now in your marriage, in your relationships, in your job. In every aspect where you connect and engage, it'll protect you from divorce and from separation. It'll save you of a lot of apologizing. But the key word in here is accept. You've got to step back into what you've known from the day you surrendered your life to Jesus. You've got to accept and you've got to embrace it. Karina, why don't you come up? So I want to just put this whole thing together quick to listen, slow to speak. Here's what James says. Let me read the whole portion of Scripture. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Why should we do this? He says, because it's bigger than just getting along. Because human anger, the anger of, I've got to be around, I've got to prove to you, I've got I, I'm, I, I've got to always win the conversation or the argument. That kind of anger doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. Because God desires for you to be right with each other, not right at each other. Therefore, James says, get rid of all moral filth. Take it off. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so that is so prevalent. And humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Not just for eternity, but right now. So one more time. We hold our hands like this. As I'm speaking, we're thinking about scenarios, we're thinking about conversations, we're thinking about situations. Some of us need to go and say, God, would you forgive me? And some of us need to go to others and say, you know what? Would you forgive me? But after me, can you repeat the words? Quick to listen, slow to speak. Let's do that again. Quick to listen slow to speak don't settle for being right make sure you make things right and you keep things right we're going to carry on with this from next week I think Skip's going to be preaching next week and I want to encourage you to come and support him and cheer him on but before we go I want to say one more thing for those of you who are still trying to figure out Christianity, and, and maybe for some of you, you just need to hear this as a reminder this morning. I want to leave this with you. Listen to this, the thing that we just talked about, quick to listen and slow to speak. This is exactly what our Heavenly Father did for you through Christ Jesus. He sent His Son into the world. He sent His Son into the world as one who could not speak. This is why I believe the gospel is so true. No one would make this up. You don't begin an adventure. You don't begin a mission to change the world by sending a frail baby that can't speak, who's been chased out of this country with his family, 
by a jealous king. See, God sent his son into the world, not as a preacher, a teacher, a prophet, or some kind of wordsmith. He sent his son into the world as a speechless baby. And for 30 years, he just experienced the life that you and I experienced. The sorrow, the disappointment, the funerals, the persecution. He watched Rome and been invaded, his, his country been invaded by the Romans. He watched his religious world in turmoil. And after 30 years of listening, of experiencing life the way we experience it, after 30 years, he began to speak. And you know why people flocked to Jesus? You know why they flocked? Because they felt that he understood them, because he did, because he had been listening. In fact, in one of the Gospels, it says that they were amazed when Jesus spoke because he did not speak to them like they were like their teachers of the law, but he spoke with a different kind of authority. They felt understood. He spoke a language people could understand. And here's the best part. People that were nothing like Jesus wanted to be with Jesus. They liked Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus liked them. He liked them back. And they invited three, and he invited them to follow him and to be a part of this life that he gave. And that invitation stands today. And I want to ask you just to bow your heads for a moment. That invitation stands today. It's the same invitation that James, Jesus' brother, was making when he was executed. And it's the same invitation that Jesus says to every one of us, come as you are. You are welcome. Come follow. Come receive life. And I just want to pray a prayer. And my prayer this morning is that if there's anybody here that you've never done that or maybe you've stopped responding to Jesus in that way, that you would open your hearts and say, God, I'm going to hold on to my words less and I'm going to begin to take a hold of your words. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you for every person in this room. Lord, I pray for myself. Would you give us the grace to be quick to listen and slow to speak? Lord, would you give us the courage to put things right, not put people right? Lord, would you give us the courage and the humility, Lord, to go and apologize where we need to apologize? To go and ask questions where we're not asking questions? And Lord, would you give us the courage for those of us that have never said, yes, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to follow you. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I need saving. I need saving eternally and I need saving right now in my marriage, in my business, in my relationships. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, Jesus, I need saving, maybe you're Christ follower, maybe you've never asked him, but would you respond to him this morning? And in your own words, just tell him, Lord, I need you. I need you as a savior today. I need you as a savior today. Lord Jesus, we ask this in your precious name. In the name of Jesus, amen.